0: Well, there are two categories of people here in the room and the category you are in could be a matter of life and death, that your very survival might depend on it. I do wanna welcome again, uh, everyone who is here today. That includes those of you joining us on video, whether you're here in the building or joining us online, no matter when or where you are joining us. Just thanks so much uh, for being with us today. If you're new here, my name's Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here at Element. And I fall into the first category of people. So do you wanna hear the two categories? You know the drill. If you don't want to, I'm gonna tell you anyway. So the first category of people are people who instinctively Don't trust a GPS system or GPS app on their phone. You are constantly questioning whether it is correct, even ignoring its directions at times, because let's be honest, we know better. So who's with me in that category? Okay, or maybe a better question, who are, are you with somebody in that category might be a better question to ask. Well, obviously the second category are people who do trust a GPS system, even following its directions when it doesn't make sense at all. Now, the Anchorage Daily News in Alaska shared a story about a guy in that second category that is all the proof I need never to trust a GPS system again. This guy's name was not mentioned, probably better for him, but apparently he was relocating to Alaska. He arrived on a ferry boat on a Thursday morning around 6.30 a.m. His car was loaded down with all of his belongings, including two dogs and a a cat that was locked in a pet carrier. About 400 feet after driving off of the ferry boat, his GPS told him to take a hard right turn. The only problem is a hard right turn went down a public boat ramp that was used to back up boats into the water and use the harbor for recreation. But this man drove down the boat ramp and into the water with his car witnesses who, who dialed 911 said it did not take long for the car to be fully submerged in water. So a good Samaritan that was on the ferry and saw this happening, he jumped in the water, smashed the window, rescued the man and his two dogs. You might say, what happened to the cat? Remember the old choose your ending storybooks? I'll let you choose your ending because first service did not like the ending that I gave them. <laughs> According to the National Weather Service, there was no fog that day. Visibility was seven miles long. So when the city public safety director was asked, how could this happen? His response is, I still don't really know how he drove in there. But I know why. That's not what you're thinking. <laughs> I told my daughter, one of my daughters uh, yesterday, I was rehearsing this story to her. I won't tell you her name, but it starts with Ma and ends with Kayla. Um, (laughs) It's her 14th birthday, by the way, today. Happy birthday, Michaela. (laughs) But I was rehearsing this story to her and she said, what kind of idiot follows a GPS into the water? But that's not what the why I was thinking. Why did he do that? Because he trusted the GPS, trusted it. He just believed that if the GPS said to go there, he was gonna follow, he was gonna follow. Now, GPSs can be wrong. In fact, this wasn't the only story that I could have shared with you of faulty directions people followed into utter disaster. A GPS can and does make mistakes, but Jesus never does never makes mistakes. And I just think the same kind of trust that man had in his GPS, we need to have in following Jesus. Just simply going where he says to go. We're today in week number two, of a four-week sermon series called Who is Jesus? We started last week on Easter Sunday. If you missed the kickoff to that series, you can catch up online, elementchurchwy.com, or download uh, the podcast. That would be great as well. And I know that not everyone who's here today or is listening online, you're not gonna have the same opinion about Jesus that we do. In fact, you might be thinking, you you might hear me talk about following Jesus with that kind of, of trust that the man had in that GPS, and you might think you're out of your mind Like that's crazy, and I'll be the first one to admit if I didn't believe in Jesus, I would say that was crazy to follow Jesus like that as well, but here's the thing, here's the thing. While you may not agree, and you're welcome to not agree. You don't have to agree and you'll still be loved and welcomed here at our church. While you may not agree on what we believe about Jesus, you cannot deny that the things we are talking about in this series, this is what the Bible says about Jesus. And actually, this is what Jesus even said about himself as recorded in Scripture. So the whole series, we're going to be in, in one chapter in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Psalm 23 will be the foundation for our series. Psalm 23 is perhaps the most famous chapter in all of the Bible. In this chapter, King David, the same David that slayed Goliath, he gives this beautiful depiction, this beautiful description of Jesus of our Lord, last week, we looked at Psalm 1. the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. We also saw that Jesus said something very similar in John chapter 10, he is recorded saying about himself, I am the what? Good shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. And we said that Jesus is not just a shepherd, he is our good shepherd. And because he is good, we're going to see now what David says about him next. Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3 is our foundation for today. This won't be our main scripture, but the springboard for us to get there. David says this about our good shepherd. He lets me, some versions say makes me, He, he makes me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides, everyone say guides. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. That because Jesus is good, he is also a guide. So who is Jesus? He is our guiding shepherd. And he invites all of us, no matter who we are, he invites all of us to follow him. But here's the thing, it's the big idea for today, This we've got to understand. So, on the screens if you want to write it down. The guidance of Jesus is only as great as my willingness to go with him. That he is a guide. He is. But the guidance of Jesus is only as great as my willingness to go with him. So if that's the case, we've got to ask this big question today. What does Jesus need to guide me? If he is my guide... What does he need to guide me? The main scripture is Psalm 25, verses 1 through 15. So Psalm 25 is two chapters over from Psalm 23 in the Bible. Yes, I can count. David is the author of Psalm 25 as well. You can follow along on the screens. Use your own Bible if you don't own one. Please ask for one before you go today. At guest services, we'll get you a Bible free of charge. We're diving right in here. Psalm 25, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. King David says this. Oh, Lord, I give my life to you. I, what's that word? Trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. So two chapters earlier, Psalm 23, David starts with, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Here he starts, O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do you think there's a connection between the two? I think there is. That the guidance of Jesus is only as great as my willingness to go with him. So what does he need to be my guide? The first thing we see right here in those verses is this. Number one, he needs me to trust him. He needs me to trust him. And church, therein lies our problem. <laughs> We're one point in and we found the problem with us. Trust. You see, we might think we might think that Jesus uses the analogy of sheep and a shepherd because, let's face it, sheep are cute, and so are we. Can I get a witness up in here? Right? We think we think we're all that, and so sheep are cute, and so we're cute. So he must have used that. I mean, I mean for real. Like, here's a picture of a cute sheep. I mean, yeah. Like, ah, it's adorable. Like, it's cute. So. So Jesus obviously used sheep because sheep are cute and we're cute, right? No, Jesus did not use sheep as an analogy because sheep are cute. He used sheep because sheep are what? Stupid. (laughs) And you're thinking, are you telling me I'm stupid? Yep, welcome to Element Church, the place of encouragement. (laughs) We're an encouraging church, folks. I'm not saying just you're stupid. I'm saying we're all stupid, me included, which is no surprise to you, like sheep. Even though the shepherd has the sheep's best interest in mind, even though the shepherd every night would gather them into the pen to protect them, provide for them, care for them, nurture them, to to give them everything they need, even though the shepherd has the sheep's best interest in mind, sheep instinctively do not trust their shepherd. And the same is true for us. Instinctively, we don't trust God that rooted in our sinfulness is a suspicion against God. In fact, in the very first temptation ever recorded in the Bible, we see this, where God tells Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree. If you eat from that tree, you'll die. So the devil comes along and says, did God really say you'd die if you ate from that tree? You won't die. In fact, if you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Or in other words, you can't trust God. That, that if he says don't eat from that tree, there must be something really great about that tree. He's trying to keep from you or keep for himself. So don't trust God. And in their distrust, they wandered away from God. And we've been believing the same lie ever since. Can't trust God. You can't trust him. And just like sheep are prone to wander from their shepherds, so we are prone to wander from God. Do you know what a shepherd often does with wandering sheep? Well, he just loves them the way they are. They're so cute and cuddly and you want to pet them and hold them. It's like Tommy boy, and you pet them and hold them and... Pfft. I didn't say God was Tommy boy, I'm just saying, okay, just, please don't hear that. That's what he does, right? Well, it was last summer while my wife and I were on a tour of the Holy Land in Israel. We came to the town of Caesarea. It's on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's an excavated, uh, uh, excavated Roman city where some key historical events happened in the Christian faith. While we were there, we saw these random artifacts that they discovered uh, there in Caesarea on display. One of them stood out in particular. It's this artifact here. And it might look familiar. You've probably seen paintings or statues or, uh, or sculptures like this. It's called the Good Shepherd Statue. It depicts a shepherd carrying a lamb, a sheep, on his shoulders. Now, from what our tour guide told us, he could have been lying, I don't know, but from our tour guide told us, that statue that the, I had the picture of there is the oldest Good Shepherd statue ever found in excavation. But that's not what even stood out to me. He then shared with us the meaning behind the Good Shepherd statue, at least how a Jewish person would have understood it. The significance of the shepherd carrying the sheep on the shoulders is this. A Good Shepherd, when he had a sheep that would not stop wandering, a sheep that would not stop going astray, because he loved that sheep and has the best interest of it in mind, he actually takes the wandering sheep and breaks its legs, making it so it cannot walk anymore, at least for a season. Then that shepherd over the course of the next several weeks or months, however long the healing process took, he would carry that sheep on his shoulders, binding up its broken bones, feeding it, giving it water, caring for it, loving it, nurturing it, even sleeping with it in the sheep pen at night. That everywhere the shepherd goes, everywhere he takes the flock, every waking moment, he would carry that sheep on his shoulders, caring for its every need. By the end of the healing process, that wandering sheep had forgotten all about the shepherd breaking its legs, and all it could remember was the love and care and protection and provision of that shepherd and that sheep will never leave the shepherd's side again. Isn't that amazing? But don't forget, the shepherd had to take the sheep through a season of breaking in order to form a bond with it that could never be broken. And church, I'm telling you, sometimes, because our shepherd is good, And because he wants to guide us to a place where we trust him, he will often take us through a season of breaking in order to form a bond with us that cannot be broken. Now, please hear me. Please hear me. Not all bad things are a part of God breaking us. That sometimes, because we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world, sometimes bad things just happen and they have nothing to do with God's discipline towards us. But there are times that God allows something in our circumstance to break in order to get to our spirit. He's building something in us, but the process is painful. Ever been there before? where you know he's building something in you, but it hurts like crazy. That's part of what a good shepherd does to guide us and to lead us to a place where we trust him. Now I know this sounds barbaric and brutal and even discouraging to say the least, but actually the opposite is true. In the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 12, five and six, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? he said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. David said, oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God, that if you need to break me in order to bind my heart to yours, then so be it. I trust you. I give my life to you. I don't wanna be a wandering sheep. I wanna be a sheep that walks by your side. But sometimes, to get us to that place where we walk by his side, he breaks us in order to bind us to him. The guidance of Jesus is only as great as my willingness to, to go with him. So what's he need to guide me? He needs my trust. It's probably the most difficult one, by the way. And it leads right into number two, which is this. He needs me to be teachable. He needs me to be teachable. Psalm 25, next two verses, four and five, David says this. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your, what? Truth. Lead me by your truth. This, by the way, sounds like Psalm 23. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He guides me in right paths. Here, lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. That you might have taken me, God, through a season of breaking, but you took care of all my needs. So I trust you. Trust you. The phrase, lead me and teach me, by the way, that David uses, indicates that we don't know it all, right? Right? Like, we don't know it all, but someone does. And that someone is our guiding, good shepherd, Jesus does know it all. Notice David said, lead me by your truth. Well, what is truth? That's a good question, right? If we're supposed to be guided by God's truth in Jesus, what is truth? Well, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth. So Jesus is truth. But Jesus takes it a step further. In John chapter 17, Jesus, this is an awesome chapter, by the way, Jesus is actually praying for everyone who would ever believe in him. So if you believe in Jesus, Jesus prayed for you. And in John 17, verse 17, this is what he prayed for those who would ever believe in him. Make them holy by your what? Truth. Teach them your word, that's the scripture, which is truth. So Jesus is truth and the word is truth. So here's the conclusion. We don't get to determine what is actually true for our lives. Jesus has already done that for us through his word. He's done it. That my feelings can't dictate how I live my life and my heart is not the ultimate guide to holiness. And listen, the advice, just follow your heart, is the worst advice you could ever give someone or receive. Don't ever tell someone to follow their heart, please. And here's why, Jeremiah in the Old Testament 17, verse nine. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But just follow it, right? My voice is cracking. We need truth, we need truth. We need something that can be trusted, that, that is a plumb line or a level, if you will, We need something that does not change with culture or doesn't mold itself to our will and our way. We need something that molds our will and our way to it and has the power to change the culture itself. That something is the word of God. The word of God is embodied in Jesus. We just need to be teachable. we got to open our hearts and minds and say, okay, God, I trust you. And because I trust you, I am open to your truth. Lead me by your truth. That what it says, I'll do. That's how it works. That's how it works. One of the best ways, by the way, to remain teachable in your spirit is to get connected into a group of people who are on the same journey as you. It's called a small group. I can tell you this for certain. The last two seasons I've had with my men's group, I have learned more from them than I have taught them. Why? Because we crack open the word of God, which is truth. And we let it read into our lives and then I hear how it impacts this person and this person and this person and they get insight here and insight here and insight here and all of a sudden the pastor is being taught by the people he shepherds. But it really wasn't them teaching, was it? It was what? the word the truth that's why you need to be in a small group you learn you're teachable you're opening yourself up to say i need to learn from someone else and maybe god wants to use me to help someone else learn psalm 86:11 david writes this teach me your ways o lord that i may live according to your there's that word truth Grant me purity, purity of heart, so that I may honor you. Reminds me of Psalm 23:3. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name, not honor to my name. Honor to His name. What I'm about to say is very pointed, but we need to hear it, me included. That when we expect Jesus to change his teachings to match our feelings, emotions, or heart, what we are really saying is, Jesus, you need to honor me. You need to change your way to match my will. So honor me. And church, the most arrogant and prideful thing we can ever do is expect Jesus to conform his way to our will. We are actually taking the place of God in our own life. In other words, it's called idolatry. We've made ourselves the idol. I need to trust him. I need to be teachable that God is your way and may your name be honored leads right into the last part of our main scripture, Psalm 25, six through 15. It's the longest portion, so hang with me. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is, what? Good, he's our good shepherd, amen. The Lord's good and does what is right, He shows the proper path to those who go astray. Does that sound familiar? He needs me to trust him. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. He needs me to be teachable. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his commands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Church, when we compare our life to God's truth and our hearts to his holiness, this should be our first and only response. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Mold me to your truth. Teach me your ways. God, may you be honored in my life. Verse 12. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend. That's We can't even talk about that, but that's amazing. He's a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Then this last verse just caught me in preparation. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies." That's what a good shepherd and a guiding shepherd does. He rescues us from the traps that we cannot see. That Jesus is the one who knows it all. And so if he's guiding me, he knows where the traps of the enemy are set. Therefore, my eyes are always fixed on Jesus. That the guidance of Jesus is only as great as my willingness to go with him. So what makes Jesus, what does Jesus need to guide me? He needs my trust, he needs to be teachable, Number three, the last one is this, he needs my total attention. He needs my total attention. David said, my eyes are always on the Lord. Why? Because I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to get distracted to distrust God, to go my own way and do my own thing and seek fulfillment from somewhere or someone or something else besides my good shepherd. So because of that, my eyes are always on the Lord, that I will declare the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me in right paths, bringing honor to his name. So I keep my eyes on Jesus. The guidance of Jesus is only as great as my willingness to go with him. So what does he need to guide me? He needs my trust. He needs me to be teachable. And he needs my total attention. So maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Jeff, I I believe in Jesus. I'm a a follower of his. I put my faith in him. My sins are forgiven. I know that I'm in relationship with Christ, but after hearing this message, I know that I'm I'm failing in one of these areas. Uh, Maybe you're not trusting God. You're find yourself wandering off into different pastures. Maybe you're not being teachable. Kind of saying, God, conform to my way instead of, Lord, conform me to your way. Or maybe you've just lost focus, distracted by the things of this life and the things of this world. If that's you today, if you're a believer and you've kind of failed in one of those three areas and you, I think there's power in acknowledging things. I want to pray for you, but I'd love for you to acknowledge it. So if that's you, you're a believer, you lost focus, you don't trust, you're not being teachable, just lift your hand up if you would Say, yep, that's me. I'm just admitting it right now. Hey, lots and lots and lots and lots of hands. Let me pray for you, God, right now in the name of Jesus, I just, well, I thank you for the honesty in the room that there are people here who, they're, they're, they're one of your sheep, but they're, they're finding themselves wandering or not allowing themselves to be teachable or they've lost attention. And Lord, I just pray that right now, Lord, you know every individual person do what you need to do in their life to bring them to your side. And Lord, we understand that that might mean we will go through a season of breaking so that we can be bonded to you. It might mean there's some things I've got to change in my life to match your word. It might just mean I've got to get my eyes back on you. Whatever it is, Lord, for those believers in the room, we ask for your, the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon their hearts in this moment. Reveal to them what their next step is. In Jesus' name, amen. Now maybe you're here today and you would say, I, I can't even be called one of his sheep because I've never put my faith in this good guiding shepherd. I've not been forgiven of my sins if that's you, I want you to know that you are not here by accident and you yourself are not an accident. That God made you on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And his first purpose is to save you from your sins. And Jesus, make no mistake about it, Jesus, God in the flesh, came as one of us. He died because of us. He rose victorious so that any one of us could put our faith in him, be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, an eternal life with him forever in heaven. And if you need to start your faith in Christ today, then let's do it, let's do it. So bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you, you wanna put your faith in Christ for the very first time, would you just say this prayer with me, just repeat it silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. He is the good shepherd, he is the guiding shepherd, but today I wanna to make him my shepherd. So Jesus, would you be my shepherd? Would you forgive me of my sins? I know you died in my place, I believe in that. Forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and make me new. I'm gonna repent from the way I've lived and turn and follow you in my new life. Please give me strength to follow you. Lord, I know that you might take me through seasons of breaking, but I trust you. I wanna be teachable and become like you. And I wanna have total attention fixed on you. Thanks, God, for loving me. I will do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you're here today, and you just prayed that prayer, please know that many of us in the room have prayed a similar prayer in our own lives, making you family now. So it's a safe place. Again, I think there's power in acknowledgement. And so if you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, we had one person last service, if only for the one, but I believe there's more today in this service. So if you just prayed to ask Jesus into your heart, Would you do something very bold, but very safe? Lift up your hand, leave it up. Say, yep, that's me, Pastor Jeff. Amen, 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 praise God. Welcome to the family, welcome, 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 awesome. Praise God, welcome to the family. Praise God, right there, I see you. Welcome to the family. Praise God, I see you. Awesome, man, welcome to the family. Amen, I see you right there, right there, amen. Praise God, amen, yeah. Listen, we are proud of you and your Father's proud of you right now. And we wanna help you walk with Jesus. It's not easy, but it's the best. Amen, church? And we developed a devotional for you called 21. It takes you through the gospel of John in the Bible, the life of Jesus, helps you apply some things to your life. So stop by guest services, ask for a 21 devotional. We'll get you one in your hands for free. If you'd also mark on your connection card that you uh, put your faith in Christ today. Uh, We're not gonna do anything weird or anything. We just wanna celebrate with you. Uh, Next Sunday, by the way, uh, is my favorite Sunday in the series. Some of the things I've learned about this segment of scripture blew me away that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect me. So we're talking about next week, and uh, there's some cool stuff we're gonna learn next week as well. Let me pray for you guys, and then if you'd remain seated, remain still. I've got a few closing remarks for some folks in the room. God, you're so good. Lord, I am so excited for the new life we saw today, that we celebrated Easter last Sunday, but you're still alive today. And we saw people come to life in you. We praise you for that. Lord, help me, help us as believers trust you. Help us remain teachable. And God, please keep our eyes fixed on you. We want our total attention upon you. God, we love you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're new here, please stop by the living room on your way out. If you need prayer, For anything going on in your life, uh, stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium. Our prayer team will stay as long as necessary to pray for whatever needs you have. And then lastly, if you came prepared to give, use those giving boxes on your way out. I love you guys. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed.